Hi, this is Sarit Schwetzer, and welcome to the It Is Taught podcast, a podcast devoted to the teachings of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi, as recorded in his most famous work, the Tanya. My hope for this show is to make these teachings accessible and relatable to the average person, regardless of prior Jewish education or affiliation. The episodes follow the prescribed daily study portions and are meant to serve as practical lessons in how to live your life as your true self and develop an authentic and powerful relationship with your creator. I have personally experienced the effects the study of this work has had on me, and I'm excited to share what I can of this knowledge with you. So please join me on this journey of learning, self-growth, and connection with your source. Hi, and welcome to the It Is Top podcast. This is episode 565 for the 24th of Sivan in a regular year. So yesterday we got into some pretty intense discussions analyzing the nature of our reality, speaking about time and space, and coming to understand that these things, the, the, the tools that we use to perceive reality, are really just dimensions. And these are dimensions that are very real to us in terms of our perception of them. However, when they are reverted back to their source, when we think about time and space, when we think about the, the three-dimensional reality that we live in and the past, present, and future that we live in, these are all merely creations, just like everything else is a creation that comes from God. And just like everything that we spoke of, that when we talk about the creation of the world, when we talk about our very existence, all of these things are truly sourced in God. And if God were to cease creating them something from nothing at all times, they would cease to exist. This is true for space. And this is true for time itself. So that the actual dimensions that we live in, the the three-dimensional reality in which we reside, whether we're talking about right, left, front, back, up, down, as well as time, past, present, and future, all of these tools, all of these uh, these modes of perception that we have are also just creations of God. And if we were to actually revert these things back to their source in God, they would cease to exist. They would be nullified in their source, just like the rays of the sunlight are nullified in the sun itself. So that leaves us with a really big existential question, which is something that actually a lot of philosophers have contended with, namely that does time and space really exist or is it just an illusion? Maybe we're all kind of like in this um, simulated program, so to speak, where we think of these things as existing and we're subject to these illusions of time and space, but merely that's all they are, are just illusions. So before you get too freaked out and before you go out into outer space too much with these thoughts, then what we'll learn about today is that actually these things really do exist. Time and space are very, very real. And that actually is a miracle. And it's actually just as miraculous as the fact of them being nullified in their source. Just, Just as miraculous as it is that there's something that exists beyond our reality, there also that the fact that our reality really and truly does exist and truly is an expression of God is equally as miraculous. So if you're confused, that's okay. And this, all of this stuff is quite paradoxical. And once again, it is really beyond our comprehension as mortals because we're, we're subject to these things. So it's really hard for us to actually and truly live in a perception that 
is beyond all of this, but we're going to try to get at least somewhat of a grasp on all of, at least in terms of definitions, at least in terms of trying to understand the the terms of what's going on. So the best way to really understand this is to really bring it back to an earlier discussion we had about the nature of God and about how when we talk about God being unlimited, that actually is placing a limitation on God. And that actually, in terms of our uh, our understanding of God, our perception of God, God actually manifests himself in two seemingly polar opposite ways, namely in terms of his unlimited ability, as well as his limited ability, his ability to contain himself, to restrain himself. So on the one hand, we have this God that's very expansive, that is very, that manifests himself in many different ways. And then we have another aspect of God, which is the God of constraints, the God who hides himself from our reality to allow for reality to exist and not to be nullified in its source. So capitalistically speaking, or if we wanted to like map it out, a way to really understand this is that if we look at the different attributes of God, and namely we're going to stick with the emotive attributes of God, because we know that those are the attributes through which God creates the world, we know that there's seven, right? So we once again, those are chesed, gvorah, tiferet, netachod, yesod, and malchus. But in that map of seven, there's actually a subcategorization where there's the first six, and then there's the seventh. The seventh one being malchus. This is kingship, sovereignty, which we've been talking about. And what makes this seventh attribute really interesting and unique is the fact that it is really different than the first six. The first six are all about God's expansive nature, all about God revealing himself to the world. These are the first, these are the attributes through which God created the world in the first six days of creation. But then we know that there's the seventh day, the Shabbos, right? And what makes Shabbos really unique, what makes the seventh attribute really unique is it's not about revelation at all. It's actually all about concealment, about holding back, about constricting, making space for other. And the thing to really take from all of this is to really understand how this attribute of malchus, this attribute of making space, of making constraints, limitations, is just as much a manifestation of God and coming from God's essence as are the other six attributes. So the way that this translates into our discussion of time and space is by understanding that time and space and the way that we perceive it, while on the one hand, we we do understand that these are limitations and these are constrictions and they are hiding God in some way, at the same time, their very nature is coming from God because this, their source, the source of these constraints of time and space is in this attribute of Malchus, which is very much a part of God, just like all the other attributes of him. So let's get into the text and see how the Alter Rebbe brings all this together. And so for context, we are still in the middle of chapter 7 of Shar HaYichud V'Ha'emuna. And so here we go. So the Alter Rebbe begins, and he says that even though it is true that God is above space and time, this is what we spoke about yesterday. So please refer to yesterday's episode if you haven't listened to that one already. It's a really fascinating episode all about going above dimensions, the dimensions of, of space and time. So even though God is truly above these things, God is not limited by space and time the way that we are. Nevertheless, he's also found here in space and time. So it's it's this weird paradox, right? That on, on the one hand, God is outside of space and time. On the other hand, he's very much bound and within space and time. 
Meaning to say, what does this mean? That this means that he is totally unified with his mida, with his attribute of malchus, of his kingship, of his sovereignty, from which space and time originate. So the source of space and time is in this attribute of malchus. And what does this mean? How, how can we, what term can we give to this, to this unification of God's attribute of malchus, which is the source in space and time with God himself? This is what we refer to as Yehuda Tata, of lower unity. And if we want to get more technical, the Altarabah gives us in brackets a way to get more technical, where it's the combination of the letter of the name of Havaya in the name of Adnos. So, Baruch So, what does this mean? So, we actually brought this up a little bit yesterday where we talked about the the name of Adnus being encompassed, being mixed in with the name of Havaya. And we said that what that means is that, so just, just a little bit of a review, is the name Adnus is what we associate with the na- with the attribute of Malchus of God, which again is associated with space and time and limitations and constrictions. And then we have the name of Havaya, which is the name, the Yudke Vavke name of God, which is the Tetragrammaton. This is the one where God is above space and time. He's beyond all of this, which is why etymologically the name Havaya really encompasses the words Hayahove and Yie. He was, he is, and he will be. And so when we talk about the attribute of Adnus being encompassed in Havaya, being mixed in with Havaya, what this really means is that we're talking about that we're, there's an awareness of space and time, Adnus, but it's but it's mixed in with Havaya, meaning that it's that it's it's God as manifesting within, like that the name of Havaya predominates, which means that there it's it's God as he is above space and time. It's God like transcending space and time. However, here we actually reversed the order, if you noticed. So we said that here we're talking about the name of Havaya as it's encompassed, as it's mixed in with Adnus. So what that means in this case is that here we're talking about God actually being present here in space and time, within space and time. So he's not transcending space and time. He's actually within space and time. As a side note, I think something very interesting to notice is that when we are davening or when we are reading Torah and things like that, whenever the tetragrammaton comes up, when this Yudke Vavke comes up, we know that we don't say that the, that name of God out loud. Like we're not supposed to say that name of God out loud. It's it's like like it's not, it would be, um, it would be saying God's name in vain. We say like it's, it, we just, we, we see it as too lofty, too holy for us to say. So how do we pronounce the yod Vavke? We pronounce it by saying Ado Shem, right? And we say God's name. So, which is the name of Adnos. It's, 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 uh, it's an allusion to that name of Adnos. So it's interesting that it, that as the, these two names seem to be expressing the polar opposite sides of God, which they really are. On the one hand, the Yodke Vavke expresses God's infinitude, God's limitness, God's expression of himself. On the other hand, the name of Adnos expresses God's restrained concealment, uh, constriction, but yet they're somehow linked together to the point that we actually pronounce God's name, the Yodke Vavke, as if it's Adnos. So, and I think that that's really what the ultra is pointing out to us in this entire Sefer is this interconnection between the higher unity and the lower unity. So yesterday we talked more about that higher unity, about the fact of God transcending time and space. Today we're talking more about that lower unity, about the fact that God is very much within time and space at the same time through his name of Adnos. 
And so now the altar bit goes on, going back to the text, and he says, so what does this mean? What does this mean that God is encompassed, the Yudke Vavke is encompassed within the name of Adnos? This means that God's being in essence, his blessed being in essence, which is called by the name of Ein Sof Baruch Hu, the, the infinite, the infinite one, blessed be he, fills this entire world truly in space and in time, even in the heavens above and in the the earth below to all sides of the earth to all in all directions everything is filled with the light of the or ain't so equally and truly because everything whether we're talking about the the land below the earth below or we're talking about the heavens above it's the same god and this god is equally present in all of these things is really within all of these things because all of these things whether we're talking about the earth or whether we're talking about the heavens are all under the auspices of space they all have a dimensionality to them and all of these things are nullified in their source in the light of the insof which is vested within them through this media through this attribute of malchus which is unified with god himself just that, what is different about this attribute of Malchus versus God's other attributes is that this attribute of Malchus is the attribute of symptom, attribute of constriction and concealment to conceal the light of the Orient Self so that these things will not be nullified, so that space and time can exist, so that they won't just be nullified totally and and lose their existence. Because if this were to happen, then us down here, we wouldn't be able to ex experience time and time and space as as true entities. So the way that we are able to experience time and space and experience this reality that we live in is through this attribute of malchus that God has. And so this is what allows for time and space to truly and 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 utterly exist for real. So that's the end of the section for today. So just in conclusion, the main point that I'm taking from this, that I feel that the ultra is trying to bring from here, is that just as much as we can say that on the one hand, God transcends space and time, and God is above space and time, on the other hand, and perhaps paradoxically so, God is very, very much found within space and time. And not just God on like a, you know, part of God kind of way, but God's actual essence and being is very much here. He's an imminent God that's present in our reality in everything that we do, whether we're talking about the spatial aspect of our, of our lives or the temporal aspect of our lives. And in these very perceptions that we have, these perceptions are very real. We, we should not minimize these perceptions. We shouldn't just say, okay, space and time. Yeah, okay, this is these are tools that we use in order to perceive things. But truly, on some level, they don't actually exist. And God is beyond all of these things. And that's the true reality. The same God that is be, uh, beyond space and time is the same God that created space and time and created these constraints and is very much present here in these constraints. Because God is one with his attributes, the same attributes which created the concept of expansion and which allow him to transcend our reality. It's the same God that has the attribute of Malchus, which is this attribute of constraint within our reality. So that's the end of the section for today. And we're going to continue along these lines tomorrow when we conclude this chapter. And I will speak to you then. Thanks for listening to the It Is Top podcast hosted by Sarit Switzer. This podcast is dedicated in loving memory of my maternal grandfather, Abraham Yitzhak Ben Binyamin Cohen of Blessed Memory. Music by Shoshana. 
If you enjoyed this episode and would like to support the show, please share it with others and subscribe on YouTube, Apple iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And make sure to leave us a five-star review. To find out more about the It Is Taught project, including more information on my soon-to-be-published book, please visit our website, itistaught.com. To catch the latest from me, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Looking forward to speaking with you tomorrow, and until then, have a great day.